everybody, this is Dave Stovall, and you're listening to the Disciple Makers Podcast by Discipleship.org. Today we're listening to Steve McCoy from Small Circle. He's talking about getting beyond information transfer when we're using these tools for making disciples. Human beings absorb truth in many more ways than merely hearing or reading. A disciple isn't made through information transfer, and no one knew this better than Jesus. For example, imagine integrating real-life experiences, Steve calls them labs, in disciple-making like Jesus did when he asked Peter to get out of the boat. Do you think Peter ever forgot that experience? Absolutely not. This episode is going to give you a broad collection of real-life labs that you can build into your disciple-making experience, and these labs will lift your disciple-making way beyond information transfer. Let's listen to Steve as he encourages us and gives us some practical tools. This was a fascinating episode, and you're going to enjoy it. Here we go. Hi, everybody. Good to see you. Thank you so much for being here. Well, I was still in lunch mode. I thought you guys were just here for lunch, and I'm like, wow, it's time to get started, so it's great to see you. Um, I love this session. Uh, you're gonna, I think this would be, this is, uh, if you've been in some of our sessions before, last night and this morning, uh, I've been kind of building this up because this is kind of the secret sauce. There are a lot of chairs over here, you guys, if they're, they're stacked up for you, so feel free to grab them and just unstack them and come on up. We'd love to, to have you join us. I want to pray before we start this session. Thank you, Father, so much again for this day, all the things that we are hearing, learning, absorbing, embracing, wrestling with. Father, thank you for what has been said about your word in this session uh, before, this main session. And just pray, God, that we will hold tightly in a generation that a lot of wind is blowing in a lot of different directions. Help us to hold tightly to your word. And God, help us to be creative like you are creative in, uh, in how to deliver that word, but hold as an anchor that never moves. Now we pray, God, for this session. We've just had lunch. We thank you for that. And we pray, God, that you will clear our mind and uh, that we can hear distinctly from you again. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so let me bring uh, those guys uh, that have, uh, those folks that have not been here before and, and a snapshot view, just to explain small circle. In most of our churches, we're operating in a two-circle mindset. That means big circle is worship service, mid-circle group of some kind. That means uh, life group, home group, Bible study, adult Sunday school, classes, whatever they may be. I reiterate that both of these circles are uh, beautifully distinctive and need it. Jesus used both of these circles. He spoke to the crowds. He also had crowds. Uh, uh, he also had the group of, uh, of differing sizes. These crowd sizes differed. This group size differed. Sometimes this group was 12. Sometimes it was three. Sometimes it was 72. Sometimes it was 120. But it was not the huge crowd. And so we, we understood from our last conversations and our last sessions that in, in regards to content, Typically, the content in, the, in a worship service or a crowd tends to be common for everyone. It tends to be clear in the group. When it comes to relationships, the, conversa the, 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 the uh, relationships tend to be casual in a, in a larger circle. And in uh, a group, we can become close. The distinction of the small circle, which is the one-to-one -one relationship, 
table for two relationship. Jesus had it with John, but he also had these in intersections with Nicodemus, with Zacchaeus, with the woman at the well, with Martha, Thomas, Peter after the resurrection. Um, and so we the the uh, the uh, content is customized here in in the small circle. That is a key to be able to sit down with an individual and personalize that content, that conversation only distinctively to them. And then the relationship is the gold in the one-to-one -one disciple making is confidential. And that way we can be safe. As we looked at in our last session, this takes time. The question that was just asked was about generations. So what we're looking at, like in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, it's a four-generation approach. Paul to Timothy to invest to, into committed men who will teach others, right? They're faithful men who will teach others. So it's four generations. You see this many times in the scripture when in Deuteronomy, when Moses said to the Israelites to teach their sons and their grandsons. There it is from, from Moses, who's about 120 at that point. And then he's saying, hey, I want you to teach. He's talking to the Israelites, the second generation, to their sons, third and their fourth generation. The question that you had asked, does four generations equal four years? It depends on how fast you go. But in our last session, we, uh, we have tools and there are four modules. Those modules each have, uh, whoops, one, two, three, and four, too much lunch. Uh, each of those modules have six sessions. We said, hey, do them every other week. And that equals 24 months, 24 months. But let me say that this is only if you don't hover, only if no one gets sick or goes on vacation. One of the beauties of one-to-one -one disciple making is that if there's some uh, some topic, some area that you can hover as long as you want. A group kind of has this, this inertia, this, this momentum that you feel like you've got to move on. And so with a one-to-one, -one, I've gone through with guys that it's been two and a half years. And uh, we set the small circles tools aside. We're going we're gonna to read a book on giving or we're going to read a book on relationships or the father's wound or whatever that might be. But we take as long as it, as it takes to get to that place. So, it, so typically, to go through our tools is about a year and three months, about 15 months. Now, I know for us in our microwave remote control culture that that seems like a, a really long time. But I, as I said last time, and the, perhaps the strongest thing I'll say in this entire conference is this. You cannot speed up relational depth. You just can't do it. It's impossible. And so there's nothing, there's no formula, there's no magic pill that you can say, hey, we're going to, we're going to get to safeness quickly. It just doesn't happen. So it really takes that time. And then we spend the last six months preparing that disciple to become a disciple maker. And as I mentioned last time, we have about an 80% rate of success in disciples becoming disciple makers. Now, so let me get to the session topic for, for this particular topic. What we're talking about uh, in this session is how to overcome information transfer. So in our last session, we, we you know, kind of took a look at our tools. Um, I'm going to show you uh, some, and, and I always like to say, just for those of you that are coming in for the first time, uh, many years ago, we committed to, to the Lord uh, that if he would provide, and he has provided, 
that we would be open-handed re-gifting these tools. So we make the tools available uh, at uh, no cost. You can download the PDFs, and in our next session, which I was also exciting, we look at the mobile app. Many of you may say, hey, I'm, I like books, real books. I do too. But I used the mobile app one time, and I never went back to the books. There's some, there is some real relational aspects, believe it or not, in technology. And so uh, we'll look at that in our next session. So this session is what I would call the secret sauce of our tools. That's something that, that, that makes them unique. So I just wanna, I wanna talk about information for just a second and just and, and, um, consider uh, the, um, the dangers of information. So as we're talking in this session about the word of God, uh, is it possible to have too much information? What would you say to that? Yeah. You would think, well, it seems like the more information you get, it could be valuable in one way. You know, if a person is knowledgeable, et cetera, et cetera. We're talking about the Word of God. But some, so I've been in the ministry for 41 years. So I'm going to make a risky statement here. Some of the most cantankerous folks along the way and in the churches where I've served have known more about the Bible than other people. I'm looking for some affirmation. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. So it's not the information that's causing transformation. It's what we do with the information, right? So here's, a, here's just a few things probably you guys already know. When knowledge exceeds obedience to that knowledge, we're in a danger zone. When knowledge exceeds obedience, we're in a danger zone. Information can be toxic when knowledge generates pride. When knowledge generates pride. And finally, information can be toxic when information alone becomes the measure of success in disciple making. So Bob knows the books of the Bible. Bob knows, you know, the history of the book of Romans. Bob, whatever that might be. And that's how we're going to measure success. So what we're trying to do in this, in this particular session is how do we take information, because as, as you've probably heard in other places, I, I think tools are really important. That's what we talked about last session. But how do you use tools and bring them alive? And so what we've done in these tools is to say, let's, make, let's, let's create some labs. So I want to talk to you about um, the way that educators have taught us how human beings uh, absorb. We remember 10% of what we read. 10% of what we read. I, I've picked up some books recently that I read, you know, four or five years ago. It's like I've never read the thing before. Uh, I, I, I see notes I wrote. I'm like, wow, I wrote that note. That's amazing. I mean, the note wasn't amazing. I couldn't remember it was amazing. 20% um, of what we hear. Now, that figure, that statistic, is so super encouraging for preachers. <laughs> All that work that you did last Sunday, oh, eight out of 10 things went right out of the old mind. So 
I want to do, Carrie, I'm going to ask for some help. I want to do um, with you kind of a fun way of, of kind of drilling this in, okay? It's an illusion trick because we're Christians. We can't use the word magic. So um, I'm just kidding you. Uh, we're going to do a little magic trick. So on your table, and we'll get some to the outside, there's a bag with, um, with a business card and uh, two rubber bands. So I want each person to grab one of these. And uh, we'll get you one if you haven't got one on the sides there in the back. And I want you to take out the two rubber bands. And I'm going to teach you this trick in different techniques. It's interesting while those are being passed out. Here's, here's a point of interest that I find pretty, pretty, uh, pretty alarming. When you think about how we learn in the Christian culture, here it is. A lot of listening and a lot of reading. As you're going to see, there's higher ways to learn 30% of what we see, 50% of what we see and hear, 50% of what we see and hear. All right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to teach you this, this trick only through audio, okay? So I'll get you started. So you're going to take the pink rubber band and put it on your right two peace finger fingers or your scissor cutting fingers just like that okay and there's no cheating you're in a church so no cheating and I'm gonna now take the purple rubber band and get it in your left hand and I'm just gonna give you an audio okay an audio what to do so close your eyes and don't look no cheating all right I'm going to give you the, the instructions, okay? Here we go. Eyes closed and just listen to the instruction. You're going to take that purple rubber band, put it around the index finger of your right hand and stretch it toward yourself as it's on your fingernail. Twist it and put your next finger, your third finger in. Twist it and put your ring finger in. Twist it back and put your, your pinky in there. Then you're going to put those fingernails and bend them toward the palm of your hand, and then you're going to cover those fingernails with the pink rubber band. And you can open your eyes. It should go like this. You have the, the, the pink rubber band on these two fingers, and then poof, when you straighten it out, they go to the other. Now raise your hand how many can do it. You can do it. No, Bill, get out. No, just <laughs> how many people can do it? Huh? Yes, you got it. You got it. You got it. Now, what percentage of that? I don't know how many people we have in here, but that's still a pretty low percentage. Good, good listening skills. Yeah, good listening skills. Now, I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to show you how to do it without words. And let's see if this gets more effective, okay? Uh, if you're listening to the podcast, we'll be right back. All right. All right. So get that. people can do it huh? raise your hand raise them proud okay all right so here's what I want you to do if you can do it you got to teach somebody else we're gonna go we're gonna go small table a small circle here okay all right did you get it did you get it? yeah all right so here's the secret let's start here okay all right I just saw in the back exactly what I wanted to see someone did this Here's what I'm going to call it. 
We're going to call this light bulb learning. Light bulb learning. Light bulb learning versus classroom learning. Jesus used it all the time. So Jesus said, hey, we got to feed thousands. You know what the first question he said? Hey, guys, what are we going to do? He asked them, hey, what are we going to do? we got thousands of people, and there's no Chick-fil-A nearby. So what are we, uh, how are we going to feed all these guys? And all of a sudden, they're like, I don't know. We don't have enough money, right? They're only thinking from that. He goes, okay, let me give you some baskets. Jesus could have snapped his fingers and everybody had fish and chips. But he let them be hands-on. And they were, just think about it. They, lift, they, they stuck their hands in a basket, only two fish left. Well, I guess, wow, there's two more. I mean, at which time did they like, wow, he's the creator, light bulb moment. Now, he could have said, I wanted to give you guys a, an hour Bible study on uh, I'm the creator, okay? Let's, uh, you're not, you don't know Colossians yet, but I'm going to give you a, you, know, a you know, prelude, right? He could have gone into it. He wanted the, let's take Peter. Peter needed to learn about faith. What did Jesus do? He put him on in, on the, on a, in the boat on the, with a storm, and he said, hey, I want you to come to me. And, uh, and, G, and, and, and you know, Peter did the whole thing, right? So here's what I want to ask you. On the last day that Peter's alive on earth, someone comes along and says, uh, hey, man, you remember that night on the sea? when uh, we were out there and we were rowing like crazy and the storm whipped up and then we saw Jesus walk across the water and we were like all freaked out. And then you, being Peter, volunteered, you know, to jump out of the boat. We were all laughing at you, remember that? And then you started walking on top of the water and we were like, wow, man. And then you started sinking because you freaked out and we all started laughing at you again. And then Jesus caught your hand and brought you back up to the surface of the water. And then you both got in a boat. Remember how we were just in total awe. This is the Son of God. You remember that, Peter? In your wildest imagination, can you, um, can you imagine that Peter would have said, you know, I'm trying to recall that night. You say it was storming? I'm trying to remember. Here's the thing. Watch this. There are other ways to learn. There are other ways that we absorb. And this is where it gets really, really exciting. We remember 70% of what we privately discuss. What do I mean by that? Those are those conversations, those meaningful conversations that you have that you'll never forget. Those conversations that will stay in your mind forever. I remember the last conversation I had with my dad. I remember the last conversation I had with my, 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 my mom. I remember the conversation that I've had sitting in the back of the pickup truck with a guy I'm discipling talking about the hardship of parenting teenagers. Those are the conversations that stick with you that you'll never forget. It gets even better. This is why we did the trick. Watch this. We remember 80% of what we personally experience. Think about that. Anybody been to Niagara Falls? You'll never forget it. I went to Niagara Falls as a belligerent 16-year-old with my parents. That was a blast. 
and uh, got out of the van. I had an attitude, you know. I didn't. I didn't want to be there. Then I, I'm like, wow, it's misty. And uh, then, then I heard the roar. I'm like, wow. The closer I got, the mistier I got. The closer I got, the the bigger the roar. And even as a belligerent, bad attitude, 16 year old, when I looked over the edge and saw that waterfall, like. Never forgot it. I experienced it with what I smelt, with what I heard, with what I was feeling, the mist. Those are the things that Jesus incorporated in his teaching so that they would experience what it was like, not just being taught with words. So here's what we do. Instead of saying, hey, let's not limit ourselves to just these uh, these uh, methods of learning. What if we did these methods of learning? And there's one more. There's a 95%. Anybody have a clue what that might be? 95% of what we do this of, we, re we remember. Anybody got it? Teach. So now this one is a shocker because when, when I wrote these tools, it was only with the disciple in mind. What I didn't know, the surprise was that what you'll notice if you haven't experienced this already at a one-to-one -one level, the disciple maker will grow as much or more than the disciple. It's an incredible phenomenon. They begin to grow because we have one guy in our church, his name is Matt, he's a cabinet maker. He wakes up at O'Dark 100, owns his own business to go do his thing. He's discipling someone and he says, hey, I've got to... Um, I've got to wake up around four in the morning. I'm like, four in the morning? He goes, yeah, because I'm telling my disciple to wake up and spend time with God before the day starts. So I'm not going to tell him to do it, and I'm not going to do it. So we've seen incredible life change in the life of our disciples. Here's where we're going to focus in this session. We're going to focus here on this personal experience. So in our tool, we have this tool, if it's your first time, we have this tool called Exchange. Exchange has four different uh, modules, there are books. And, um, and these modules, it's also in the mobile app as you'll see in next session, but zero, one, two, and three. And each of these, as I mentioned before, there's six sessions. Every single one of these sessions has what we call a lab, a lab. And the lab, there are two purposes for the lab. One is what we've been talking about. When someone experiences something, then they remember it and it, they absorb it at a much deeper rate. It sticks. It's light bulb learning versus classroom learning. I'm going to give you some examples, and then we're actually going to do a couple of labs together. Every session. Some of them are wacky, uh, funny. Some of them are locational. Some of them include the senses, tasting, hearing. Some of them include... Uh, viewing. Some of them are moving. Some of them are serious. I think I've listed some of these, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, we've passed by the information age, by the way. It began mid-1900s, uh, uh, and it's an exponential increase in the capacity to produce, transmit, and receive information. We can receive, at least in this country, we can receive as much information as we, as we possibly want. We have now moved into what's called the experience relationship, the experience age. 
And so um, here's some small circle labs here just to give, give you a common overview. Some of them are outings, some are role playing, tactile, touching, personal, customized, spiritual disciplines, creative, surprise elements, serving, relationally and interactive, uh, do, it, uh, DI, do it yourself reveals, some iconic reminders. There's just a lot of, there's a lot of uh, uh, different ones we'll, we'll touch on. We do this to remember, to absorb, to translate spiritual principles in the human skin. This was Jesus. If Jesus were here today, he'd be talking about grande and vente and gigabytes and terabytes. He would be speaking our language. Um, there's unexpected variety. What do I mean by that? The disciple never knows what the lab is going to be. So what that means is, so let's say we're talking about the resurrection. This is 0.5 in, in our tools. We're going to talk about the resurrection. And let's say I'm going to say, hey, Bill, um, I'm discipling Bill. And I'm going to say, hey, Bill, uh, we're going to meet next Thursday at 3.30. Yep. Mm -hmm. Hey, you know that cemetery on Clark and 41? Yeah, let's meet there. Bill's like, well, what are we doing? What are we going to? We're meeting in a cemetery? Or I may say, hey, I looked in the newspaper and there's a funeral service down at that uh, funeral home. I, I want us to go attend it. Well, do you know the person? No, I don't want to know the person. I, I, I don't know the person, uh, but we're going to go anyway. We have had the most incredible conversations in cemeteries that, that on the surface you would think, well, that's kind of silly. And some of them on the surface will seem silly to you. But Solomon clearly said it's better to be in the house of mourning than it is the house of celebration because something comes alive when you're face to face with death. We're walking in cemeteries. We're just we're we're having the conversation from the books. And and again, you may not think that's a big deal, but it's a super big deal. So I'm walking in the cemetery with a guy that I've just finished discipling. And uh, we're talking, and as a disciple maker, you're always, you're always reaching for vulnerability on your part. I explained to them, we moved to Sarasota where we live now. My parents moved down two weeks later. My mom and dad were in a car accident, and my dad was killed. My dad and I were really close. I share that story with him, just walking through the cemetery. We're noticing different gravestones, like, wow, there's a couple that were buried together. Wow, that was late 1800s. Amazing. So we're just walking. And we're just waiting for God to move and do something different. We come to this section where children are buried. He tears up. I'm like, hey, Dave, what's, what's the trigger? And he said, well, um, when I was five-year-old, my two-year-old sister died. Automatically, this thought came, I wonder what happened to his mom. I said, what happened to your mom? How'd your mom react to that? He goes, I didn't have a mom for 10 years. She was MIA. She was emotionally wrecked from losing her two-year-old daughter. I said, what does a resurrection mean for you, Dave? He said, I can't wait to see her. I can't wait to. I said, man, me too. I can't wait to see my dad. Now we begin to talk. Now we put the word of God, the resurrection, we, begin to, we go deeper in, in when we talk about the resurrection. Why was it that, that Paul said, if Christ is not risen from the dead, we are still in our sins? That means there was post-action of the cross that needed to be finished. We go into the depths of that, and we're sitting in a cemetery. It, it, it just brings things alive. Let me give you another example. When we kick off exchange, 
we're talking about being created in the image of God. And when we're created in the image of God, it's a very profound concept uh, that we're, we're the, the, the Father and Son and Holy Spirit let us make man in our image. We covered it in our first session. And so, again, I'm doing disciple Bill, and I say, hey, Bill, we're going to uh, meet next Thursday at 3.30. Hey, would you bring in a childhood picture of yourself? So what, is, what happens in the sessions if the disciple looks forward to every session because he or she doesn't know what in the world we're going to do? And it adds this variety rather than, okay, we're going to meet and go through books. We're going to meet and go through books. We're going to meet and go through books. In fact, anymore, I'm, telling, I'm encouraging disciple makers to leave your book at home. Do the work. Memorize two or three scriptures or two or three questions Get down to it, but get to the conversation and include those things in the session. So Bill comes in, he brings his pictures, childhood picture. He says, so I say, hey, Bill, who do you look more like, your mom or your dad? Now, this is our first session. We're just getting to know each other. Both of our guards, especially as men, is up. Our wall of Adam has all the bricks in there. We haven't chiseled away a brick yet. Hey, man, uh, so you look more like your mom or dad. In the disciple maker coach or guide, as we talked about last session, we've equipped uh, the disciple maker with questions to ask because men generally don't ask good questions. We ask, we ask, okay, let's just say it, stupid questions. How was your week? Good. Great, great talk, right? End of conversation, right? Rather than tell me a little bit about your dad. Was he, was he firm? Was he fair? Is he still living? Was he, is he still married to your mom? Was it a single home? Did he ever treat you unfairly? Is there something that sticks out in your mind that was your favorite thing about your dad? What's the thing that sticks out in your mind that was the hardest thing about your dad? And gradually and gradually and gradually, here's what happens. Not only are we absorbing light bulb moment, but here's the second thing, the most important thing. We're chiseling down the wall of Adam. Every single session, those labs are... So I'm in a men's group. We had two guys in the group. They're very successful business guys. And they've known each other for two decades. They went through the first session of exchange. They did this exercise and they both came to me and said, we've never asked these questions. I never knew anything about his father, about his mom, about his life, what makes him tick. The first guy I brought through these, 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 these tools, his name was Matt. And uh, Matt, I said, Matt, hey, why don't you bring in a childhood picture? Now keep in mind, our champion is everyday people, soccer mom Sally. We're trying to give soccer mom Sally the possibility of not just discipling, but the possibility of discipling at a lower, uh, deeper level. We could care less if Sally just gives information. We want to her to experience that David, Jonathan, Jesus, John, Paul, Timothy level. We've got to equip her how to be able to do this. We just can't give her a book and say, read these words and hope for the best. So we're, these labs are trying to set her up. Matt, bring in a picture. Next Thursday, we're going to meet at 3.30. Bring in a picture. You know what Matt said? Matt said, I don't have a picture. So instantly, I know there's a story. 
I'm like, so you don't have like a baby picture? Nope. Do you have like a, a, a like one of those pictures we took in school, you know, elementary school pictures? Nope. You don't have any family pictures? Nope. What are you going to ask Matt? What are you going to ask him? What happened? Why? How come you don't have a picture, right? I said, Matt, how come you don't have a picture? He said, because um, I, was the, I was the last of eight children. That, that explains some of it. <laughs> All right, we have two kids. The first kid, we had 2,000 picture of his birth. Next one, not so many. <laughs> I was the last of eight children. My father told me every week of my life, he was a, he was a Christian man, but he was so legalistic and so unfair. He told me every single week of my life, as I can remember growing up, Matt, you're a loser and you're a quitter. You see, we're talking about the image of God, but we have to customize it. We have to personalize it to that disciple maker. And so he's, and so I'm like, wow, man. And so he was married with one child at the time. His marriage was one half inch from being over. He couldn't keep a job. He was late every day because he saw himself as a quitter. He's going to quit his marriage. He's going to lose his marriage. He's going to quit his job. He's going to lose his job. So I said, Matt, let me ask you if any other adult man in your life has ever said these words, Matt, I love you, and I believe in you, and you're valuable. He said, nope. Think about that. This guy, this young man is 20-some years old. Nobody has ever gotten to that level to step outside of a big circle or a mid-circle, to sit at a table for two like Jesus did with Zacchaeus and said, you're better than this. You're more meaningful than this. There's somebody sitting in this room right now, we were talking during a break, that it, there's a crushing relationship. And we said, you're... That person is one friend away from transformation. If one friend could get in that place to bring the word of God and allow the word of God to take place, but delivered by a friend to speak the truth in love. So I said to Matt, Matt, it's going to change. I'm going to be that, I'm going to be that guy in your life that tells you I love you. You know what he said? I was feeling really heroic in the moment. He said, no, you won't. He said, three months from now, you won't like me because I don't like me. I said, well, I guess we're going to have to see. We weren't together for a year. We weren't together for three months. We weren't together for two years. We were together for two and a half years because there were times we had to dig down deep. We had to argue. We had to wrestle. We had to get in the red zone and really wrestle. Matt has four children. He's had the same job for many years now, because the image of who he thought he was and who, God, who he thought God thought he was has changed. That doesn't happen from preaching, guys. It doesn't happen from your best sermon. It happens from taking the word of God, the truth of God, and delivering it in a light bulb moment to say, it's, it's a different story, but it has to come in that measure.
All right, so let me kind of wake your brain up a little bit. I want to do one together. So I'm going to need a little help if I could. Can you pass out uh, the, the books? And maybe we could get a little bit of help with this. So I got some sample books that I want to pass out to you. Um, so every time I pass the books out, I require an oath. Raise your right hand. You know the routine. I will not look ahead in the book until further instructed. You are so sworn in. <laughs> All right, so keep these books closed until you get there. Thank you. We've got some volunteers maybe to help, maybe some jump in and help so we can cover it. This particular, um, this particular uh, lab is going to, uh, is when we get to the Word of God. So when we are talking about to our disciple about the Word of God, here's the last thing you want to say to a disciple. You gotta read the Bible. That sounds right up there with you gotta eat kale. You know, like it just does not sound that attractive. If you can get the disciple to love the Word of God, you won't be able to keep them away from the Word of God. So we're just gonna do a little bit an appetizer with it. This is a visual lab. Okay? This is a visual lab. So what we're gonna do is we're going to whet their appetite just a shade. And we're going to say, hey, um, this, is the, this, the, this is the beauty of the depth of the Bible. Okay, So it's hard to just say that and people are like, okay, I get it. But we want them to kind of feel it and we're going to do a visual. Okay, So let me find the page number here. Then I'll tell you where to go. Uh, ready? Okay, turn, if you would, the page carefully to page 13, but not beyond. 13, but not beyond. Okay, everybody looking at page 13. All right, let me give you the instructions of this lab. Here come the instructions. I'm going to count to three, and you're gonna, when I count to three, you're going to flip the page over to page 14. You're going to see an image. I'm only going to let you look at that image for a couple seconds, and you're going to flip it back to page 13. Everybody clear? One, two, ready, flip. And flip it back. Now let me ask you this. Were you tempted to keep looking? For many years, I used to teach piano lessons. And uh, to get Johnny to practice piano was sometimes, you know, a real arm wrestling session. We discovered if we could get Johnny to the piano bench, and say, Johnny, I just want you to go to the piano bench and just play middle C. That's all I want you to do. Once he played middle C, like, well, I'm here. I might as well go ahead and play a few notes. The same thing with the Bible. Hey, we're just trying to get you there. And when you begin to read and dive in, God's going to pull you in. So when you saw the, the image, I want you to raise your hand. Let me call in. What did you see? Somebody raise your hand. What did you see? Flowers. Okay, how many people saw flowers? Okay, almost the whole room. What's something different? Yes. Do you say I am? Who saw that? All right, so here's the cool thing. So we stop right there and we say, here's the cool thing about the Bible. Sometimes you're going to see something I don't, and sometimes I'm going to see something you don't. Other guys are like, oh, really? Because I thought you were the expert. I thought you had all the answers. Oh, no, we're breaking that. God can speak to you personally through the Bible. Who saw something different? Yes. What? A bow. Beautiful. Yes. Something different. 
Huh? Love. Yes. You saw? Okay. All right. Now, I'm, I'm about to give you another shot at it. But let me ask you this. Are you looking forward to it? You're darn right you are. <laughs> One, two, ready, turn. And flip it back. Now, weren't you more tempted to not flip it back? Would you see different than what we've spoken? Anybody? Yes. Jesus is. Yes. The truth and the life. Go and make disciples. Now, are some of you sitting like, dude, I didn't see any of that. That may be because you flipped to page 16. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Did anybody see a face? No one. Oh, how? Ooh, one. Oh, did you? That's cool. Get out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> totally kidding. All right. All right. Turn the page. I'm going to give you as much time as you need. Anybody see the Alpha and Omega? It's up on the, it's up on the upper petals. And someone sees a fish symbol. You see the little white flowers. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Anybody see a face yet? Uh-huh. Oh, you saw two of them. Wow. Let me show you one. If you, if you can look up here. See this big, this big flower up here? To the right in the blank space. Oh, yeah. Now listen to the room. Oh, yeah. That's called light bulb. <laughs> now look on the right side of the pedal. There's another one. Faces. Look here. There's an eyebrow. There's an eye. There's the nose. The mouth. Oh, now I see. What'd you say? Oh, now I see. That's what I'm talking about. Did anybody see? There's, there's actually four faces, right? There's down to here, down to here. Here's what we're aiming for. It's just a little appetizer, okay? So here's what we say. You, you come to the Word of God, and you spend two or three minutes a day in it. You'll see some beautiful pictures. You'll see some surface things. You're like, hey, that's inspirational. But then you spend a little bit more time. And as we're traveling, we're going to begin to study together. And then what happens is that you'll begin to see the secret things of God, the deeper things of God. And now all you're trying to do is draw them in. So then if you turn back to page 13, we take Psalm 22 and we slice and dice it in five different layers. Psalm 22, what is the personal? So let's do a little study together on the personal value and dimension of Psalm 22. And then there's a bunch of questions. How do you relate to this? You know, David's going through an intensely difficult time, etc. Then there is a historical, the panoramic view. Let's take a look at the history of it. What's the context of this? Then we're going to do a layer three. Let's compare some scripture with scripture. We're going to introduce them, perhaps the treasure of scripture knowledge or some tool like that to help them compare scripture to scripture. Then we're going to look at the prophetic value of this because in Psalm 22, we see the exact words of Jesus on the cross. And then we're going to look at the practical view. What are we going to do with this verse? So what they're doing, what we're doing here is we're, again, we're wetting their appetite to say, hey, this, you see the value of the word of God. 
in our next session, we're going, I'm going to show you a third tool. If you've been tracking with us in all these, on, on all of our sessions, I'm going to show you a third tool. It's called Mix, and it's only in the mobile app. Mix is like a companion tool on steroids. So, for example, there are 30 different creative ways to approach prayer. There are 30 different ways, creative ways to approach the Word of God. Let's write out a chapter. Let's memorize a chapter. Let's look at the context. Let's do a topical study. So if you're a disciple, you're going through and you say, man, I'm really wrestling with where to, where to start in the, in the Bible. Okay, well, let's start in the Gospel of John. But let's go a little bit deeper than that, and let's take a journey where we help the disciple fall in love with the Word of God. If you miss this point in discipleship, everything that's being talked about today, uh, uh, this and today and yesterday about the Word of God will be missed, and that disciple, it will not stick. The Word of God will not have its rightful place. The reason that you're sitting in this room right now is because you love the Word of God. It's not because someone said you've got to do it. It's because you love the Word of God. And the only way we'll hold to the Word of God is if we love the Word of God. You won't hold to the Word of God until you love the Word of God. Let me give you, so let me switch gears and just kind of give you in our remaining time, we're going to do one more lab together. So there are times where we do something, as I mentioned, something uh, locational. When we're talking about being aware of the presence of God and aware of how God is speaking through others, through the Word of God, through the Holy Spirit, we go to the busiest cafe, outdoor cafe we can. And in the middle of the thing, I say, hey, shut your eyes. Tell me everything you've heard in the last 30 minutes. And uh, I just did this with a, a, a guy I'm discipling now. And he goes, uh, I hear construction. I'm like, okay, what else do you hear? I hear traffic. Okay, what else do you hear? He goes, that's it. I'm like, that's not it. He goes, I, I hear birds. Uh, okay, okay, what else do you hear? I'll hear somebody talking. And the more we went, we went on and on and in a different layer and different layer. And his conclusion, not mine, his conclusion is, I'm not aware of God anywhere in my life. Light bulb moment. See? rather than me telling him, you need to be aware of God in your life. Okay, next point, information, right? They have to have those moments of absolute, like, wow, that just came to me. Let me give you an example of my favorite lab in the whole deal. I'm getting ready to do this. I'm prepping to do this with my disciple. We talk about the unconditional love of God. And every single human being at one moment or the other, in your worst moment, you have to wonder, does God love me as much right now as he does in my best moment? The reason we wonder that sometimes, theologically we know it's sound and solid, but just as a human being, because we're dealing with so much conditionality in our life, people unfriending you on Facebook, people getting upset in your church, I know they probably don't in your church, probably just mine, uh, all those things, there's a lot of conditionality. So when we really press and say, hey, do you really believe that God feels exactly his love for you today or on your worst day as, as your best day? Well, I, I believe it, but sometimes it's hard to, you know, to completely buy in. So over the past month, what we've done, so let's say I'm, I'm with Bill. I go to Bill's closest person who may be a spouse or friend. 
And I say, hey, we're going to prepare a, a surprise for, for Bill. So what I want you to do is ask for a letter from Bill's closest relationships. And here's what I want you to ask those friends. I want you to ask them to write what they would say to Bill if he were going to die an hour from now. Because why is it that we wait until we get to a funeral to say the things that we should have said while people were living? So these people write these letters. Bill has no idea. Bill's coming to another session wondering what in the heck we're going to do in the next session. Are we going to meet in a cemetery? When we talk about being double-minded, by the way, I say, Bill, here's what I want you to do all day Thursday until we meet. I want you to wear your best dress shoe on, on, one, uh, on one foot and your worst combat boot or whatever you have flip-flop on the other foot. And I want you to go to work that way because you're going to have an opportunity to witness to someone that you're not losing your mind. And how, when you meet, like, how'd that feel? It felt totally, totally whacked out. That's how it feels when we're double-minded. An unstable man. And so they remember. Is it silly? Of course it's silly. But they remember we've had so many people say, hey, that really, boy, light bulb just came on. We're collecting these letters. So I'm collecting these letters for right now for the guy I'm discipling. We come into the session, and I haven't read the letters. And I have them as a surprise. And I say, hey, Bill. On your worst day, do you believe that God really loves you exactly the same as he does in your best moments? And like, well, I wrestle with that. I said, well, Bill, I got a surprise for you. I have reached out to your wife, to, your, to whoever's close to you, and I've got these letters from the people that are, that are your closest friends in your family, and I, I want you to read them. And I just sit there silently. I kind of put some ambient kind of moving music on in the background, you know, and we go through these. The guy that I just finished discipling, uh, he's got three teenagers, about the same age as mine. The oldest teenager is absolutely breaking his heart. I have a letter from her to her dad. I put that one on top. He opens up that first letter. He starts to read. He automatically slams it on the table and pushes the letter across to me. This is a true story. Pushes, pushes all the letters across to me. He said, I can't do this. I said, how come you can't do this? He said, it's just, it's emotional, man. And men are not used to this. I say, hey, let me tell you, I'm a reactionary crier. You cry, I cry. It's a, unfortunately, it's the same with vomiting. You vomit, I vomit. <laughs> It happens, honestly. If you started vomiting right now, I'm like, I'm right there with you, bro. <laughs> he starts reading one letter after the next letter. Tears are coming. You know what we're doing? We're chiseling down that dang wall of Adam. We're becoming safer. And he's reading those letters. We finish reading those letters. And I say, now these are people that know all your bad stuff. And look, they still love you. Now, what do you think about God whose, perfect love, whose love is perfect? And then we celebrate communion together. We celebrate the Lord's Supper together. It's off the chart. I've gone through these tools with five guys. There's never been a time where both of us weren't crying at the end, celebrating communion. 
You see, we're no longer in Kansas anymore, Toto. <laughs> we're into a new venue, a new dimension that we've got to go to in order to move the needle of life change. I mentioned Larry Crabb in one of the, our previous sessions. Larry Crabb was an author and a Christian counselor. Larry Crabb made this statement that I think is so to the core. Larry Crabb said this, I am convinced that a certain level of relation, a certain level of life change is directly dependent on a certain level of relationship. Let me repeat that. A certain level of life change is directly dependent on a certain level of relationship. This is where it happens. Okay, I want to do one more lab with you. In that same bag where you had your um, uh, rubber bands, uh, you'll find a business card. Uh, just go ahead and take that out and get something to write with, a pen or something. Uh, I want you to know that you can call me 24-7, so this is my business card. That you have all the information. <laughs> just kidding. This is the very last lab of the entire set of exchange. We're getting ready to launch the disciple to become a disciple maker. And just to remind you, we have an 80% success rate of disciples becoming disciple makers. Usually they're a little nervous. But what we do is we, we look at the, the Great Commission, which is bookended with authority and camaraderie, right? All authority on, in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go into the, all the world, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey what I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you to the end, right? The camaraderie. So I want to say, I, we say to our disciples, hey, don't forget, I know you're a little nervous about this, but God is with you. And I want to remind you of a statement that Jesus made in John 15, 5. Without me, apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Doesn't matter what tools you have. Doesn't matter what fancy app you have. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So here's what I want you to do. So I want you to write those words, but not yet, on your, on your business card. If you're right-handed, I want you to use your left hand, but not yet. If you're left-handed, I want you to use your right hand. So you're going to use your, your weak hand, and not yet. You're going to write, apart from me, you, you can do nothing. But I want you to close your eyes while you're writing that with your weak hand. Okay? One, two, ready, go. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. No looking with your weak hand, eyes closed. Some of you are currently writing on your shirt. How's it looking? Now, let me ask you a question. Who does it look like wrote that card? A two-year-old or someone who perhaps has had a little bit too much champagne, inebriated. Both of them apply. Acts chapter 2, these men are not drunk as you suppose. They are full of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> It reminds us that the Spirit of God will make the way for us. It also reminds us that we are dependent on Christ like a little child. I've had my card and my wallet for 10 years. Every time I reach for my identity, every time I reach for my plastic financial power and my credit card, every time I reach in that wallet for a membership card, I'm reminded that I can do nothing 
without Christ. It is a great reminder, and we say to our disciples, I want you to carry this card because it's not you that's going to be, make that disciple. It's Christ through you in the word of God. So those are the labs, a sampling of the labs of, of, of exchange, and uh, it, it's the secret sauce. So I would say, I beg people, don't leave the labs out because the labs are the, are the secret recipe. In our next session, we're going to uh, talk about the mobile app, and it's super duper. And there's a lot of uh, power in the mobile app. I hope you can make that session and uh, just leave all your stuff. You can keep your card, but leave the books on the table if you don't mind, so we can use them in a future session. And uh, if you want to, if you go to smallcircle.com, there's some business cards. Uh, you can get the tools downloaded for free. It will take you to where the mobile app is. You can also text the small circle 97,000. Text the word small circle 97,000. And uh, you'll, get a, you'll get a little bit of feedback from being here. Thank you, guys. I hope to see you in the final session. Talk to you then. Thanks so much for listening to the episode, everybody. We've got one more episode with Small Circle, and it's called High Tech, High Touch. This is about the Small Circle app. So make sure you stay tuned for that. All right, y'all, enjoy the rest of your day, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. See ya.